You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. edition of the stardom road podcast here on the count out podcast network i am your host as always scott edwards and with me as always is my co-host my friend trent brewer trent how are you don't sound so disappointed when you pause and say as always it's like oh man i've got another podcast recording with him every fortnight without fail he decides to show up and join me to be fair, this might be the longest we've went without recording in a long while. That is actually a fair point, yeah. Because um, it'd either be when you went or when I've been away. It'd be one of the two. Yep. It's probably the same amount of timing because I think when you went away, we recorded like the day before. Mm. And when I went away, we recorded a couple of days. So, yes. But you're that... back. I'm back. We can get back to our normally scheduled podcasting. And Which everyone listening did. has no idea that I was really that gone because the episode came out on time. Uh, but thank you, everyone, who listened to the Mayu Yutani Double Champion uh, podcast. Trying to promote that, everyone, was impossible because I could not remember what we talked about outside of the fact that Mayu Yutani <laughs> was double champion. But today, we're talking five-star Grand Prix. Today and next episode, the focus of our show is the GP very important, very special. It has become, to me, the top tournament in professional wrestling. Move over G1 and your 32 competitors. Uh, I don't think the M1 victory was ever in the conversation. Though it still looks pretty decent. Um, but We got an Aussie in there. It automatically gives the bonus points. That's true. That's true. That's true. They have an Aussie. They have. No, they only have one. Um, yeah, just the one Aussie. But it's a good Aussie. Yeah, it's a good Aussie. So we'll take that. But this is where's the Aussie in the 2023 five star Grand Prix? Uh, I believe she's going back to Australia, actually. (laughs) Uh, But I'm very excited. I'm very excited. The five star Grand Prix is my favorite time of the year as a wrestling fan. Mm. I know a lot of people love the G1. They love, you know, Forbidden Door time. I sometimes can't stand Forbidden Door time. Uh, They love Wrestle Kingdom time. You know, year end in Japan. There's a lot of times to love, but there's nothing better than the five star Grand Prix. The past three years, including this one, the excitement for the tournament has been at an all time high. Mm. And we haven't seen the 2023 tournament, but based on the lineup, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. It has a it has the makings to be another special tournament. I'm not gonna go too far and say an all timer tournament because I don't want people to come back to this and be like, ah, what an idiot. But I do I think get them to double listen, so maybe you should make that bold claim. Oh no, that's right. It's gonna be an all timer tournament. Gonna be phenomenal. You're gonna have four plus star matches every show. See, that's probably not that dumb. That's probably very close <laughs> to true. That being said, what we are doing today is going through the history of the five-star grand prix what we are doing next week is going through next the fortnight. special run did i say next week you did you just oh, said ego 
We're not going to be on next week. I'm used to doing weekly podcasts. What we're going to do next episode is our second part of the five-star Grand Prix history, and that's looking at the incredible all-timer run of Shuri in the 2021 GP. So, Trent, before we get going and into the conversation, what are your feelings about the five-star Grand Prix as a whole? Um, How have you enjoyed seeing it become what it has become? And, you know, Whatever else you may be feeling. Yeah, look, this is, I'm very much in the same boat as you. It's like, this is the time I'm always most excited for because you get the best of the best in stardom being put in a situation where they know no matter, like, they might not be wrestling at the big venues all the time, but they know this is when everyone's kind of paying attention to them. And if you're going to really set yourself out, this is the time to do it. Because consistently we see over the years that someone steps up in, in any given five-star Grand Prix and says, this is the year that I'm asserting myself as someone you need to pay attention to. And it's always exciting to kind of see who that might be. Um, and yeah, this is a great opportunity for wrestlers, both at the sort of looking to prove themselves and the veterans kind of establishing positions, developing stories for the second half of the year. When I started following uh, Stardom, it very much felt like the the little sister to the G1 tournament. But over the years, it's kind of grown up and developed into in very much what I agree is the premier tournament. I think it's more exciting and more interesting than G1. Admittedly, I'm not doing a New Japan Road podcast. I'm doing a Stardom Road podcast. So that might be part of it. But I, I do Japan feel Road like actually you know, they, a show that they do. It is, it is, and it's not one worthy of a podcast, funnily enough. No, um, no. <laughs> but yeah, look, Stardom has sort of developed this tournament into something that not only makes the summer super exciting, but the second half of the year, because so much flows on from this. And obviously 2023, very exciting with possibilities of what could be coming, uh, even just from what we know at this point in time, uh, we'll only get more exciting as we get closer to um, but there's a reason why we want to do this history of five-star Grand Prix, and that's to set the scene for new fans who maybe are coming into their first five-star Grand Prix or only their second one. You know, this hopefully will give you an idea of why it's such an exciting time and how it's grown, because it hasn't always been quite like this. Was 2021 the year that it 100% took over the Cinderella as the tournament of stardom? Yes. Uh, look, 2019, I think you saw a lot of buzz and excitement surrounding it, and that's also with the quality definitely started to pick up. I, I feel like the Five Star has often carried slightly more prestige than the Cinderella tournament, but doesn't necessarily carry the same excitement um, differential that we see now. Yeah. The Cinderella is quite a value, especially while it was still a one-night tournament. There is certain prestige in being able to last an entire night with three or four matches, even if they are only going for three minutes. Now that it's been split out, like you're wrestling longer matches, but it is it doesn't carry quite the same level because you're getting weeks break at times. Yeah, because I remember in 2020 there was still a lot more excitement for the Cinderella than I think there was that five-star. Um, maybe it's because mm-hmm. of the roster at the time and all that had happened before the five-star. But once yeah. 2021 came around and once that tournament was over, it's like, okay, this isn't even a question anymore. Mm. Um, yeah. But 2020 was definitely hampered by the timing of it all. Like even the absolutely. Cinderella tournament, which was effective, that had the excitement of, oh, we're getting wrestling again. Because of the time, you know, that got blocked by the the COVID situation. Whereas we'd come back, we'd had a month or two, and now we're getting the Cinderella tournament. We were still recovering from losing a couple of key players uh, in the prior to that. So it's 
Yeah, it was carrying certain baggage, um, and I think that tournament did a lot to help establish what next year would become. Um, but it was definitely still a prototype for what the current uh, five star would look like. Now, this tournament started back in 2012, so it's been going. It's mm-hmm. been going. It hasn't. Uh, it's been around for a long time. There's a lot of interesting um, finalists. It, it's it's a tournament that I think a lot of Stardom fans go into now, especially. And they can look back at the past to kind of try and predict the finals mm. in a unique way. It's a it's a unique fashion because I think with the tournament, you could sometimes expect one person who's like, okay, that's your winner. And then someone that benefits from the spot but isn't mm. necessarily winning. Yeah. Uh, I also think that heading into the 2023 tournament, it's the most unpredictable the tournament's been in. I mean, obviously we'll have our own thoughts and we're not going to really talk about them too much on this show. You can check out the five-star Grand Prix preview on the Ocean Cyclone show to to hear me and Trent's thoughts in the coming weeks. uh, If you want to hear us talk about it together, because Mm. we'll talk about the five-star Grand Prix together a lot on different shows, but that's the only place we're going to be previewing it together. So definitely make sure to check that out. Ryan will, likely be joining us as well so that'll be a lot of fun uh but this tournament does give an idea of who's going to be there who's not going to be there heading into the 2023 tournament i do think that's getting shuffled up a bit but there are still those options to be okay that's your winner and that's your that's your finalist and i think that's why i like this tournament so much is that it gives you an opportunity to predict without being purely predictable at the same Mm, time mm. now don't get me wrong the last three winners have in many ways been predictable but at the same time they were the right choices especially the last two i think no one will no one will disagree that they were the wrong choices now do we want to turn back the clock to 2012 i think that's only fitting so what was happening in 2012 wow that's a long time ago uh yeah, no kidding. I fun fact. So I've been watching uh well while doing things lately. I've been watching the MCU in order for the first oh, time. Oh. You have time to do anything else? Well, I'm doing it like while doing other things. So I'm not I'm not like laser focused because I could never do that again. But I was going through phase one or whatever. I'm like, this movie's that old. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. So that's just a funny thing that we're talking about 2012. And this is where it really started. Okay, what's it going to mean? And my favorite part of this tournament is that while many of us know it to be the, the tournament to get a World of Stardom Championship Challenge, they have changed it up through the years. There have been a few non-challengers. Now I think we're pretty set. It's going to be mm. the world title every time, just like the Cinderella is probably going to be the wonder every time. They'll ch- throw a change up in there every now yeah. and then because they've never made that one official, but the GP really does feel like that. It's just very uh, 
convenient that those two titles kind of fit each tournament as well. Like the red belt is like to survive the five star Grand Prix, you have to be the best wrestler in the company. Whereas the Cinderella tournament, like even the name invokes a bit more of an emotion, a bit more of a passion side of things, which aligns up with the white belt. One of my favorite parts also of the five star Grand Prix, and I can't stress this enough, is that it's always been the two block system. Mm. That is how all grand prix tournament should be anything else is incorrect new japan well even now we're now back to the two blockers i know everyone's gone back to the two blocks except for new japan who continues to add more people with half of the field not being needed but this that's that's a conversation for a different show five star grand prix 2012 (laughs) ranging from august 19th to september 30th that's going to be a key part of our conversation Mm -hmm. here today as well you guys are going to hear this tournament grow in time uh but let's kick off the two blocks were as followed you had aki asakawa io shirai yuhi yoshiko nai takahashi and yuzuki akawa on one side that's pretty hard hitting i'd say that 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 was and another part of the thing i love about the five-star grand prix there's always a that's the block and oh you know this one's fine this yeah. tournament may have had the most one-sided blocks I've ever seen. On the other side, we have rookie Kyrie Hojo, Saki Kashima, Miho Wakazawa, Dark Angel, Natsuki Tayo, and Kyoko Kimura. A little bit top-heavy, that one. And it reflects in the scores. On that one. It was <laughs> a block heavy. Um, the in the end, the year your point finalist, it was Yuzuki Akawa winning the A block with seven points to Nai Takahashi, also having seven. Big shock, I know. Nanai didn't technically lose. Yoshiko at six, Yoshirai at five, Yuhi at three, and Akiyasakawa at two. On the B block, it was Kyoko Kimura winning the block with seven points. Atsuki Taya was seven. Dark Angel was six. Miho Wakazawa was six. Saki Kashima with three and Kairi Hojo with one. That bottom feeder, she could never amount to anything, could she? I know, I know. She was she was uh desperate. And it would all turn out for Yuzuki Aikawa to go on to win the tournament, mm. the first ever five-star Grand Prix winner, defeating Kyoko Kamara in 16 minutes and 34 seconds. We have episodes. If you're listening to this for the very first time, you go back talking about Yuzuki Aikawa and her importance to this promotion mm-hmm. in their early days. She was the first five-star Grand Prix winner. Doesn't get much more important than that other than being the first wonder of stardom champion. Yeah, there's a couple of our firsts that you can claim. Uh, that's one of them. And obviously the one that she didn't really get to do was the World of Stardom Championship because, yeah, then I had to claim something there, didn't she? Uh, well, they but this is a title. Exactly. This is another one, a case where it's apparent that you're sort of pushing someone in the five-star Grand Prix, as it gets used quite a bit, is a perfect sort of jumping-off platform. Whether they win the tournament or make the finals, um, that kind of honour is something that really can set you up. In this case, Yuzuki Okawa won, which I think is makes sense. It's the right call, even though she wasn't that much longer in the company. Um, it kind of makes sense to back her in that situation. And Kyoko Kimura is like the perfect kind of veteran to throw in there as the challenging point, as the obstacle to overcome. Yeah, I, 
I mean, thinking back, like, and I think this will be an interesting conversation as we go on. Like, was it the right choice? I think mm. that'll be a fun thing for us to kind of change this up a little bit. Was Yuzuki Akawa the right choice? The answer is yes. She was the right choice. She'd go on to then challenge the Nai Takahashi for the World of Stardom Championship at the year-end Climax 2012. So major match there. You have champion mm-hmm. versus champion, not both titles on the line. If you want to hear about that, go back to the last episode uh, of when that those matches happened. Everything's cyclical. Hey, we we're on we're on point today. It'll never it's happen like again. Poetry, it rhymes. Yeah, we're usually like um, I don't know, like never mind. We're yeah, not on point anymore. We were not, on point, no. and then yeah, you left and then point. yeah, and then I had to mess it up on purpose. <laughs> that being said, she would go on to lose to Nai Takahashi. Of course, she'd go on to hold the Wonder Storm Championship until her retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Still a very important part to get this tournament off the ground. And yeah. again, like I said, having someone like Aikawa be that first winner is very important to make the five-star Grand Prix mm-hmm. mean something. Having one of your top champions win that right off the bat is the right move, in my opinion, especially back then. One, one of the most important things you can do when starting out a tournament is establishing it with winners that matter. And, you know, we look back at this tournament over a decade later, and not just this particular uh, year, most of the years moving forward, they're all won by someone that matters, whether it's someone who is previously established, about to be a next big thing kind of thing. They're all about, like, okay, I can see why this person wins and why you would be coming into 2023 or future years going, I want to have my name listed alongside those people. And that's something that both the Cinderella tournament and the Five Star Grand Prix has done a pretty good job of, I would say. I would definitely agree. They have meaningful winners every year. Mm. Um, with the five star, I feel like I don't. I don't know if I will say they've always gotten the exact person right at the time in terms of popularity and everything, but they don't have any winners that you walk away from looking at a tournament saying, "Oh, that was a bad choice." Mm. Like mm. all of them make sense. Um. Even maybe you'll disagree with me as we go on, but I think all of them make sense one way or the other. There's no uh, obvious black mark on this tournament in terms of like, right. oh, that person won. That must have been a bad year. Right. Five Star Grand Prix 2013, ranging from August 25th to September 23rd, 2013. Uh, so shorter than a month. Mm. Eh? Eh? That's different from the previous one. Shorter than a month. That won't last. Uh, on the A block side, you have Takumi Roha, Kiori Oniyama, Kairi Hojo, Dark Angel, Io Shirai, and Alpha Female. On the B block side, I think this, by the way, this tournament is a lot more evenly split. You have Yuhi, Yoshiko, Natsuki, Tai, uh, Natsuki Tayo, Aki Asakawa, Kyoko Kimura, and Nanai Takahashi. Yeah, this is uh this tournament like obviously there can be some preferences in blocks and I think it's easy looking back in twenty twenty three at the A block and seeing Takumi, Kairi, Io all in the same block and Kairi Yoniyama and thinking, Oh, that's the block I'd really want to see. But we do have to keep in mind that the the year that this tournament was in. And as a result, I do think this is a pretty clean tournament across the board and not too surprising the Naitakashi would go on to win. Obviously, they sort of lost their other key person, Yuzuki Akara, at this point, and there wasn't really anyone else really at the level where it's like, we're ready to fully strap the rocket on you. So I think the Naitakahashi winning here makes a lot of sense as well. 
Yeah, I think the only conversation at that time would have been Io Shirai, mm, mm. Um, which they would go on to do the year after. So, spoiler alert. But I do <laughs> think that would be the only other person I would have considered in this spot yeah. at this time frame. Uh, but going with Anaya at that time, it's a safe bet. It's a correct bet. Io Shirai was the world champion at that time. Yes. Oh, that's the question, is it? Um, I can do the research. I believe for she it. was. I believe she was because Nanai would go on to challenge her. So, yeah. Um, of course, yeah. That's the uh, easy way to work that out, isn't it? Yeah. So, that's why she didn't win. Mm. But then stop him next year. Uh, <laughs> but that would be the only person I would have considered at that time. But Nanai going back after having lost the World of Stardom Championship, getting back on the track with the five star Grand Prix. Definitely the right choice. She'd beat Alpha Female in the finale. Yes. So that that Alpha Female, of course, the big 2022 return of Alpha Female. Mm. She not she not only was a world of star champion, she's a former five-star Grand Prix finalist, folks. Uh but yeah, she t- t- Takahashi beat her in 13 minutes and eight seconds. Um, I don't have much to say about the 2013 turn. It, look, we have to acknowledge it is difficult to give super in-depth com- commentary on a lot of these early ones for the sheer fact that they aren't on Stardom World. Um, it's not until 2017 that you can watch these tournaments from uh, start to finish on the Stardom World streaming service. You have to find the DVDs, which can be found on secondhand services and like shops like Tadokan and stuff, but it is difficult to come across, especially because you can't just find one show online on like a you know, Billy Billy or something and just be satisfied because it's a it's a month-long tournament. It's not that simple. Um, but we will do our best to give you the coverage and the sort of the context of each year and why decisions were made. Yeah, I'm not rich, so uh, I can't okay. buy all these things and go find them. Uh, let's kick it over to the 20th. Is that, is that a, a build-up uh, link to your Patreon account there, Scott? No, actually. I'm not rich, but I can be, thanks to you, the viewers. <laughs> That would have been good, but no, it's not. Uh, the five star Grand Prix 2014, August 24th to August 23rd. Um, the tournament as it follows this features the first five star Grand Prix for one Mayu Iwatani. Mm. So that's important. Uh, it also features some interesting names that I think, uh, maybe one interesting name that jumps off the board. Otherwise, like whatever. Um, so on the A block, you have Koguma. Takumi Aroha, Dash Chisako, uh, Mayu Itani, Kyoko Kimura, and Yoshiko. And on the B block side, it is Starfire, Kaori Oniyama, Kairi Hojo, Melissa, Nanai Takahashi, and Io Shirai, who would go on to win the tournament by defeating Yoshiko in the finals as the reigning World of Stardom champion. And that's where we would have a changeup in challenging as Io Shirai would challenge for the Goddess of Stardom Championship, teaming with Mayu Utani of Thunder Rock to face uh, Kairi Hojo and Nanai Takahashi for the tag team gold. Yep. And a trend is continuing here for the first uh, few winners. None of them can convert their tournament victories into championship victories when they basically cash in their rightful challenge, which is, I, I think, another interesting decision that they did make. You know, you know, when you're establishing a tournament, especially with stakes like picking a championship match, 
it is interesting that it takes so long for someone to actually win in that situation. It, it is, and I think it, it does kind of follow the same format that the G1. We've seen that with the G1. Mm. We did for a long time, I should say. It's changed a lot recently, but that can be said about Stardom's five-star Grand Prix as well. Um, but we move forward here. Um, I, I do have some questions, by the way, that Trent doesn't know about at the end of the show. That'll be a lot oh, of fun conversation-wise to talk about the history of the five-star Grand Prix. But we'll have to wait and see there. 2015, August 23rd to September 23rd. Up, oh, we've reached one whole month. We're <laughs> we're growing. It's growing. Uh, we had on one side Haruka Kato. I almost said Nako. That would have been terrible. Uh, <laughs> Starfire Kaoru, Queen Maya, Chelsea, and Kyrie Hojo. Woof. <laughs> Against uh, the B-Block side, Chris Wolf, La Rosa Negra, Kaori Oniyama, Io Shirai, Mayu Yutani, and block winner, Hudson Envy. But, uh, full disclosure, folks, before this show, I said I have no clue who that is. And Trent said confidently, oh, I, I think that I'm going to know who this is. Looked up a picture. Didn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of those cases because this is right before I was a regular watcher, about a, a, half, a year, year and a half off. And so, like, I'd heard the name Hudson Envy quite a bit, especially when I was looking up Stardom and sort of what I'd missed out on. And I think I'd just seen the name so often. Not that, like, she's a, you know, regular recurring role in the top of Stardom, but I'd seen that name enough. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognise it. And I must have just painted a picture in my head of what Hudson Envy the wrestler looked like. And it turned out that my picture was incorrect because when I Googled her name, I'm like, oh, that's not who I had in my head. So there we go. That, that kind of gives you an idea of how much commentary we can provide on this year in particular. Um, but I do think it's sort of, it, it gives you an example of where Stardom was at in 2015. Because if you, if you know Stardom's history, 2015, especially early on, was a rough period for them. You know, they lost a couple of key members for one reason or another, and this is very much a a rebuilding year. And you can kind of see that in who's in the tournament. A lot of okay names, sort of names that would come and go, uh, heavy reliance on foreigners that, you know, that's fine, but I feel like when you've got a strong internal division, you have a couple of foreigners here and there. But when you're relying on them and having them take several key spots in the tournament, um, including a final, um, it does kind of speak to, yeah, we're still, you know, building ourselves back up. The freedom was getting themselves established, but a couple of years off really rebuilding that roster. It was rough. This this was, of course, after what had happened, you know, the Yoshiko Akiyasukawa yep. incident. So things were a full-on rebuild in many ways. Mm. Uh as I like to say, thank God for freedom. Kyrie Hojo would go on to win this tournament, pinning Hudson Envy in 18 minutes and 16 seconds to this point. The longest five-star Grand Prix match ever. Mm. It wasn't broken until recently, mind you. That was the longest for a very long time. That is terrifying. But it also, again, speaks to how the tournament has changed. You know, a big thing I remember, and we'll probably get into it more moving forward, is when I was watching the five-star Grand Prix as I was growing into 
following stardom is these tournament matches felt very much like preview and teasers for what you could get in future singles matches where titles on the line or something they never felt like big matches within themselves and it's really sort of been the last couple of years and especially in 2021 when the time limit jumped 20 minutes where you were allowed to spend more time wrestling and building stories now not everyone liked that change and i think the jump back to 15 minutes was the right call um, but in general, we're seeing more time spent in matches and developing them and giving them more of the same vibe as a regular stardom match. We still don't know as of this recording how long this year's tournament will be. So uh, <laughs> if 40 if, minute time limits for everyone. If you hear a 30 minute time limit or something, you can you can uh, hit up Trent at yep. one up culture on Twitter with your either celebrations or complaints. Uh, but anyways, we move we move along. Um, the worth noting, Kyrie Hojo did return the winner's uh, challenge to the World of Stardom Championship. But, as you'd expect, she came up short against Io Shirai at the Stardom 5th Anniversary Show. Losing, unfortunately. Um, that was, by the way. Well, I mean, I like Kyrie. <laughs> That would mark the second known Io Shirai hater, Scott. Here. No, that isn't even true. The reason I watched Star was because of Io Shirai. So get out of here. Worth noting that is the second time someone challenged Io Shirai after winning the five star Grand Prix and lost. So mm. just a little tidbit to toss into there. We move forward now to the 2016 tournament. And what is worth noting here is this is where we began to rise up in numbers as the mm. tournament goes from 12 to 14. Um, as we know now, the tournament gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but this was the first growth. We had seven per block uh, on the A block side. This tournament ranged from August 21st to August 22nd. Ha <laughs> ha, we're back September to longer than a month. What did I say? August. You, you basically said it lasted for 24 hours. That would have been crazy. Sorry. <laughs> August 24th to September 22nd. Could you that's, imagine the matches? That's why Trent is here. Minutes. That is why Trent is here to back me up when I say things incorrectly. That's why I have him on all of my shows, because I will say things like that probably all the time and never catch it. That being Full said. Job, people. Listen to the Ocean Cyclone show. Um, I say only smart things on that show. Anyways, uh, so on the A block side, it featured Chris Wolf, Courtney Stewart, Kyrie Ojo, Momo Watanabe, first tournament, Io Shirai, Tessa Blanchard, and Jungle Kiona. On the B block side, you had Hiromi Mora, shout out, shout out, one of the best. Uh, Natsumi, Natsumi Maki, you may know her from uh, uh, TJPW. <laughs> Blue Nikita, Tony Storm, <laughs> Kaylee Ray, Yoko Bito, and Mayu Tani. I got a big pop out of Trent on that one. That, yeah. That feels good. That feels That's good. Sumimaki of TJPW fame <laughs> and TJPW fame only. I don't know Natsumimaki that went anywhere else. I know a Natsupoi. It's funny. I've heard Sayori Anu reference uh, Natsumimaki quite a bit lately. Yeah, I don't know. She's crazy. Point. Anyway. <laughs> Believably um, crazy. <laughs> The final would be Yoko Bito versus Tessa Blanchard. This is like before all of the problematic things came out about her. 
that doesn't make it better. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is in 2021, admittedly. Um, but it is, especially if you weren't aware of it, it is a bit of a shock seeing that name pop up in such a prominent spot. Um, but I mean, like, there's a reason why she got as many chances as she has, is because of the talent. Yoko Bito, of course, returning from retirement, her previous retirement, mm -hmm. going on to win G uh, GP here. She would challenge for the World of Stardom Championship against, <laughs> you guessed it, Io Shirai at Stardom October Showdown 2016 and would lose. As yes. you guessed it. As yes, is tradition. As you guessed it. That would be the final time that someone would be dumb enough. I mean, someone would challenge Io Shirai. Uh, <laughs> in this tournament so uh Io Shirai of course would not leave stardom yet but that was the final time that she was the uh world champion to challenge so would you say this is the weakest five-star grand prix winner of the bunch um no the next one hmm. i think it's a debate between yeah those yeah, two, yeah for sure um because at that time by the way, we're we're talking about 2017. I'll bring the conversation. It's Tony Storm because yeah. by that time, at that time, I should say, Tony and I know Tony won the Cinderella, mm. but at the same time, she still wasn't like as big a deal as she'd go on to be by any means. Yoko Bito can, at the time, at the very least, when she first debuted in Stardom, was one of the main event stars of mm. that early era. But she did just come back as well. So I think there's definitely a debate there. You could, you know, on one side, Tony had the accolade of the Cinderella. So it's not like she was someone that's just like, it's not like a Tessa Blanchard or Hudson Envy mm -hmm. winning necessarily. But it is, I think it's an interesting conversation because obviously Yoko was around longer, not longer, but earlier, while Tony uh kind of just won everything that year so it's it's mm, definitely mm. up for debate tony also the only person to do that still yeah. uh, win the cinderella in five star in one year mariah might be looking to prove us wrong this year with that comment but hey we don't know but i think that's definitely worth talking about and if i look at this lineup i can't pick anyone that would have been better than yoko to win this tournament um so like mm. i said maybe like tony stone was in this tournament so that helps her case too she she was around by yeah. the time she won uh but Io Shirai, of course champion at the time momo watanabe had just stepped into this tournament this is her debut finish mm -hmm. eight point kairi hojo mayu like those are the only two i, get, I think we'd even you're basically looking at a repeat time. winner or maybe uh putting Mayu in that position a little bit early, which given it where it is, 2016, you could have done, especially yeah. considering, you know, Mayu would be challenging for the title later that year against Io Shirai, um, and you would have completed the Cinderella five-star double a year early. Um, but it is, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly people jumping out the page saying we should be winning. Too early for Momo, um, too early for Jungle Kiona. Uh, too early for Natsumi Maki, who would go on to do nothing can start them, of course. Um, and otherwise, you're taking a risk on a, a foreigner. I mean, Tessa Blanchard would have been a black mark on this group. Kaylee Ray would have been a fine winner, um, but you'd probably be debating her at around the level of the Yoko Bito in terms of accolades overall. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's a fair enough 
position. Um, but probably both at the time and in hindsight, debatably one of the weaker. Like you could put Utami in 2020 as well. Um, but if you're looking at overall legacy before and after, she's obviously gone on to do quite amazing things. You know, you made the joke. You made the joke, right, of uh, Atsubimaki. I would pay Rossi Ogawa a lot of money for Natsupoya with a five-star grant parade. I just want <laughs> everyone to know that. In 2016 uh, or 2023? 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. Not back then. Um, not the TJPW famous Natsumi Maki. Uh, anyways. Rossi heard you say that and said bet. He's sending you a, a request, PayPal request for money in the mail. Yeah, I'll send it to him along with my many uh, pay-per-view purchases. Um, in the five-star Grand Prix 2017, the field grew once again, going from the one year of 14 to 16. This would last for two years at that number. And as we said, Tony Storm would go on to win the tournament. But here are your competitors of the tournament. This also features the famous Mandy Leone win, uh, <laughs> which is worth noting. But your tournament was as followed in the A block. You had Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, Mandy Leone, Hazuki, Tam Nakano, Konami, Jungle Kiona, and Io Shirai. On the B block, you had Zaya Brookside. Chris Wolf, Hiromi Mimura, Mayu Yutani, a five-star Grand Prix debuting, Hana Kimura, Kagetsu, also debut, uh, Viper, and finalist, the previous winner, Yoko Bito. Yoko Bito mm-hmm. would go on to become the first woman to be in two finals. She is one of the two to do so. There's only been two in the history of the tournament, so I think that's pretty cool that Yoko Bito happens to be one. So maybe she wasn't a weaker choice, Trent. Maybe she wasn't if she got to two back-to-back. Just putting the discussion out there. I know, I know. Uh, Tony Storm would go on to win eight minutes and 17 seconds, winning the tournament, and she would go on to become the first person to win in her title challenge, of course, mm. we de- we talked about that title challenge at nauseum last episode. That that title challenge and win over Mayu Yutani was due to injury, as Mayu Yutani would get hurt in that match. So we really don't know if this was the plan for Tony Storm to go on to win, but that is what happened. Tony Storm did win the championship, ending the streak to kick off the tournament's history of the. Uh, winner losing to the champion Tony Storm. It took six years. Yeah. Six years for someone to actually convert to a victory. And even then it was by oh crap. We're we are we are forced into a corner. I still don't think it was supposed to happen. No, um, no. So Tony Storm obviously from there on made a humongous name for herself. And I think this tournament win and eventual title win is a big part of that. It's a big mm. part of why, you know. We're leaving the Forbidden Door weekend, and she was the champion defending at that show. I think there's a reason why, you know, Rossi wasn't wrong, I think, to see her as one of the top-pushed international talents that the company has seen. Obviously, it's paid off for her long-term, and, you know, she's gotten better since all the way back then, but it was a big moment for her, and it's one that you can actually go back and watch. Mm. 
first year of this tournament that is up there, pretty much in completion. And yeah, I, I know a lot of people rag on Tony Storm's stardom career, but right around this time was when she was arguably the hottest she's ever been. In terms of independent talent, she was about as much, I can't miss as possible. Um, wherever she went, she, it was a big deal. Um, and stardom kind of getting her on, not exclusive, obviously, but kind of a regular, semi-regular appearance was a big deal. And I think her winning the tournament does make a lot of sense. Um, even if, like, the double is kind of awkward to look at in hindsight, like, really, Tony's the one who did that, not one of your permanent long-term wrestlers. Um, but, like, she was a great talent, and there was a reason why she was protected as much as she was. 2018? 2018. Uh, you know, the time we've all been waiting for, which was the Mayu Iwatani tournament win. Took them long enough to pull the <laughs> on that one. Uh, it was August 18th to August 24th. The tournament continues to get bigger. Uh, September 24th. I said August again. I caught myself, though. You <laughs> did. You did. I didn't get a chance. What a what a week of a tournament that would have been! <laughs> Absolute craziness for a week. At You're least trying to work more, these women into the ground. It's a lot more. It's a lot more time than I gave them last time. <laughs> I gave them 24 hours last time. <laughs> uh, Five Star Grand Prix 2018. You had in the A block: Kagetsu, Rachel Ellering, Jungle Kiona, Konami, Kimberly, Tam Nakano, Natsuko Tora, and the finalist, the rookie, the big rookie. You may have heard of him, Utami Hayashida, on the B block side, you had Saki Kashima, Natsu Sumire, Jay Hater, Nicole Savoy, Kelly Klein, Momo Watanabe, Hazuki, and of course, the winner, Mayu Iwatani, who would advance with nine points. Hazuki was tied with her that year, so I just think that's worth pointing out. Hazuki was in the conversation. Um, Iwatani would defeat Hayashida. 15 minutes, 56 seconds to get the win. Obviously, the big story of the 2018 tournament is Utami and what she was able to do right out the gates in her career, instantly telling us all that she's going to be a big deal. I think a lot of people at that time, you know, I don't I don't know if everyone at that time walked away from the tournament and said, oh, she's going to be one of the best in the world. They, she's gonna... they were like, oh, crap. Why is Rossi pushing this woman already as much as he is? Which, funnily enough, is a phrase I get here. I hear a lot when it comes to stardom wrestlers. Yeah, people don't like when young start. That's the funny thing in wrestling. All right, you started me off. <laughs> the funny thing Activate in wrestling. Rant let's let's push young talent. Let's push young talent. And then when someone pushes young talent or new talent, you gotta hear about it. For on and on and on and on. Why did they push them? Why did they push this person? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's to keep the scene fresh. Look at Stardom in 2023. Their majority of their roster, you can walk away saying, oh, they could be a wonder world of Stardom champion. Do you know why, Trent? Is this a rhetorical question? Because Rossio Gal was willing to push young talent i'm sick of hearing this is more of a today problem than a 2018 problem but even then it was a problem you heard it you just said it oh she's pushing her yeah sure utami wasn't ready at the time i understand 
but they made someone instantly by having her have such a run. Now look at her. We're sitting here in 2023 crying and praying that this woman would be world champion again. Rossi loves the sink or swim push uh, with young talent. Basically, if you are someone with promise, he will give you a chance to show it. And it is then up to you to take the ball and run with it or to drop the ball. Uh, and generally, they, they run with the ball. You look at Utami Hashishita here. Obviously, like she was very raw, but you could see what that potential was. And she did go on to fulfill it and continue fulfilling it. Around this same time, a uh, certain Momo Watanabe, who people are crying for to get more get more opportunities and more respect in 2023, she was given the ball at this stage. And there were people who were hesitant about that because she was fresh out of high school and was like, oh, is she really ready for this kind of position? And looking back on the, the run that she had with that white belt, most people would say, yes, she was ready for that position. Um, is, is it risky? Yes. Will some talent drop the ball? Yes. But let's be honest, there's a pretty good track record when it comes to – if Rossi, Rossi picks someone in this position, there's a good chance there's a reason behind it. Um, now, is it potentially at the cost of your quote-unquote favourite? Possibly. Um, but we, we all get a little wrapped up in the world of wrestling and our favourites. I can't comment because Jungle Kiana was in this tournament. And if you ask me, everyone, she didn't win. was proof that Rossi doesn't know how to book stardom. Everyone else has to remember at this time. Wait, let me, let me talk to you. Io Shirai's gone. Kairi Hojo's gone. Yeah. Going to Mayu, obviously a smart choice because, you know, that's the person you have. She's the one flying the stardom flag, but you got to make stars. That's why seeing Hazuki come in second on her block, Utami come in first in her block, Momo Watanabe, of course, at the time was champion already, but he was willing to establish people right then and there because he needed to. We, we, we just talked about the, what was it, 2015 tournament? Mm. Yeah where how they just didn't have anyone. Now then, if you look at this tournament, Jamie Hayter, Hazuki, Mayu Utani, Momo Watanabe, um, Utami Hashida, Konami, Tam Nakano, that's some of your biggest names in women's wrestling today. Mm. And it's a lot because of these tournaments and how they helped the, these wrestlers develop. Sure, is it sink or swim? Absolutely. But more times, more often than not, they swim rather than sink. It's also worth mentioning the top four point getters in last year's tournament are not in this tournament at all. Tony Storm, Yoko Bita, Shirai, and Viper, all not in the company come 2018. And then even the the uh, the not the third placed wrestler, but Kaylee Ray, who was number three in one of the blocks, wasn't there either. It's not until Kagetsu um, in the B block third place or equal third place do you get that kind of repetition of character which again shows you like starting with this time there was a lot of turnover not just amongst the big names but you would see a lot of foreign talent coming in a lot of foreign talent leaving and this tournament has a lot of young up-and-comers and as you mentioned like 2023 some of the biggest names in wrestling 2020 and 2018 not quite there yet Tam Nakano this is her first five-star Grand Prix we know it took her several years to really find herself. Uh, same with Konami, especially as a character, it took her quite a while to find herself. Even Hazuki at this point was just starting to find what was making everything work. Um, so it's understandable that kind of you take a risk on someone because you're probably taking a risk, whoever was in that final with Mayu Watani. 
That's all to be said. Mayu Yutani would challenge for the wonder of Stardom Championship, the only person in history to do so with this tournament win. And she would lose to Momo Watanabe at Stardom True Fight 2018. As Three. was tradition. Three tournament wins for Mayu. Zero title wins for Mayu. Well, four, including the IWGP tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, How dare you? How dare you? How dare you bring up that? How da- That's still very fresh. Um, all right. Anyways, moving on. 2019 would kick up to 18 participants. Uh, the biggest at this time. It would go from August 17th to September 22nd, 2019. Um, this is the tournament we have talked about recently. So if you mm-hmm. want to go hear us kind of go in depth about this tournament more, go check out the Hana Kimura episodes. We really dove into this, but the participants are as follows. Natsu Sumire, Saki Kashima, Azumi, Avery, Hazuki, Mayu Yutani, Momo Watanabe, Tam Nakano, and the winner, Hana Kimura. On the other side, it was Konami, Bia Priestley, Jamie Hader, Kagetsu, Riso Shiki, Andras Miyagi, Utami Hayashida, who was injured, during this tournament, Jungle mm-hmm. Kiona and Natsuko Tora. Hanakura would go on to win the tournament by beating Konami. Again, fitting that idea that I presented earlier of how you have someone who benefits from being in the finals but doesn't have a shot to win necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's what Konami did. Um, of course, things have gone the way they have for Konami since then, but. Hanakamura at that time, we talked about it a few episodes ago. Obvious right choice. Yep. Instant star from this tournament. It was one of those tournaments where you instantly see someone go from, all right, let's see if they're ready to absolute bona fide star. Even if she didn't win the title from Bea Priestley after, mm. it was guaranteed she was going to go on and have so much success. Yeah, this was sort of the realisation of what we were seeing throughout this year for Hana Kimura and kind of proved that she was ready to take that next step. Konami obviously came up short in both this and the Cinderella tournament this year, which I think put her on a lot of people's minds, someone who could be ready to take the next step now, whether she did or didn't, is sort of up for interpretation. Um, but this this is kind of the, the year that I think we really see the modern five-star Grand Prix begin to take shape. In part because now we've got 18 wrestlers involved, so it's a bit of a bigger field, a bit of a chunkier field. Um, but also, like I remember this tournament in particular, like the matches seemed to matter just a little bit more, and there was more just kind of excitement through the middle portion of the tournament as opposed to the previous years where it was a bit more like, okay, cool, that person's winning, that's kind of cool. Even with Mayu Watani, I feel like the hype wasn't quite there, compared to 2019, and that's partly because Stardom was getting bigger. This is right around the Bushiroad acquisition period and then growing into really the behemoth that it would right before the COVID period. Um, So that kind of benefits as well. Uh, But there's definitely, this is where things started to really pick up for the tournament, I thought. Five-star Grand Prix 2020, ranging from August 8th to September 19th tournament of course would be won by none other than utami aishishida the other two-time finalist and i think mm-hmm. 2023 could make her a first time ever in one way or another we're gonna find out very soon but the tournament 
blocks were as followed. You had Utari Hayashida with 10 points, Shuri with 9 points, Micah with 8 points, Mo Watanabe with 8 points, Jungle Kiona with 7, Natsuko Toro with 6, Azumi with 6, and Saya Ida with 2. On the B block side, you had, or the red block, I should say, um, you had Hameka with 11, Maya Utani with 10, Tam Nakano with 8, Konami with 8, Julia with 8, Saya Kamatani with 5. Death Yamasan with four and Starlight Kid with two. This they went back down to 16. And this is mm-hmm. also very important. This is after all that change that happened early in the year for one reason yeah. or another. You heard me name all those names. Obviously, there are many of them are key parts in today's stardom. But at that time, that's a lot of fresh new faces mm. entering a brand entering this tournament trying to all figure out along the way you know Hameka was a finalist this was Micah's first entry Julian's first entry Shuri's first entry obviously Julian Shuri were more established at that time yeah. but it's still their first entry Starlight Kids in there of course you know at the bottom Sayakamatani's in there mm-hmm. long before Sayakamatani became who Sayakamatani is today uh but you get my point you have some classics but that was a lot of new faces that would go on to become part of that core stardom roster that we know and love today yeah this wasn't a decision to drop to 16 because they felt it was better for the tournament this was a decision to drop to 16 because what the hell else were they going to do they lost several key members that they weren't prepared for and they also couldn't bring in people from outside of the country like they had quite a bit over previous years, you know. Even ignoring the obvious departures of Arisa Hoshiki, Hanukamura, they couldn't really bring in B Priestley or Jamie Hayter during this period either because of, you know, they weren't able to get back in the country. So and they weren't working did... with other companies. Exactly. Like, obviously, if this, if this situation happened this year, you could see them maybe pulling on certain other companies and say, hey, you know, you've been working new blood and all that. Why don't you come in for a five-star? But they were a little bit strapped, um, you know. But it was it turned out to be, I don't want to say a good thing, but it did allow a lot of fresh faces to find their way because we've talked about how important this tournament is in establishing talent. Well, when half of the roster, half of the group in this tournament are fresh faces to the, the tournament and looking to prove themselves, they're hungry, it does create an interesting dynamic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Utami would go on to beat Hameka in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and 19 seconds in that final. Uh, we kind of had this conversation beforehand, uh, but now that we kind of have the retrospective that we do, um, it is interesting to see what Hameka would go on to do after this tournament. You know, she mm-hmm. came in guns of blazing kind of like Utami did previously. You know, yeah. Hameka wasn't a though. rookie at the time. But she was just newly debuted in stardom right before the tournament, had the most points in the tournament, and she'd never win a singles title. Yeah. So I do think it's it's hard to it's hard to say whether they expected more from her in this situation, or maybe they didn't realize her personal mindset when it came to wrestling and stuff. Obviously, you know, we have heard from her that she didn't see herself as a main player and maybe yeah. didn't want that spotlight position. They perhaps didn't realise that until after this tournament because they did give her that super push. But at the same time, this push alone kind of carried her for at least a year and a half in terms of like value and importance to the company. So even when she wasn't being used, she felt like a threat. It very much kind of like obviously a little bit different. When Zack Sabre Jr. won the New Japan Cup the first time, 
he wasn't a super established wrestler. That tournament made him a real threat and someone who could win any match on any given night. And I think Himika in this tournament was established in a similar way, even though she didn't win the tournament like Zach did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thinking back to that tournament, Tommy would go on to defeat Mayu Yutani, of course, at Sendai Cinderella 2020, and that would ultimately, undoubtedly, establish Yutani Hayashida as the new face of the company, yep. let alone the uh, you know new big thing in the main event. She She's since then become one of the top faces of the company. Obviously, they've been through a lot of people, but I think out of the newer crop, you know, besides Julia, I think unquestionably Utami is that face of the company. I'm not going to call her ace because Mayu's the ace until forever. Uh, well, she's not even the ace. She's the icon. She's knocked back the ace moniker in the past, but... No, but it's... I'm just talking, like, the overall, like... Yeah, yeah. Wrestling comment of someone's an ace. Someone's the person you count on when you need them. Like, mm-hmm. Hiroshi Tanahashi literally calls himself the ace, but he yes. hasn't been the ace of New Japan in a long time. Mayu Yutani is still the ace, even if she doesn't go by the ace, but whatever. That's, that's enough. I think Utami's... I think if anyone's to take over that role, though... It would be Utami at this point in her career. I think we kind of see that with the way they're telling her stories now. It's mm. very Mayu Utani in the leader yeah. that might lose, you know, roster members. That probably already happened by now, but you get my point. <laughs> um, anyways, let's kick it over to 2021. What I think is the greatest five star Grand Prix, not only ever, but also, and listen, 2022 is right there in the discussion. If we're going tournament st- start to finish, I'm willing to listen to either battle on that. Mm. I, you know, I think I'll fight in my head of what the best tournament overall is till the very end because what the difference is between 2021, besides participants, is the matches, the 30 minute time limit for. The 2021 tournament, they, of course, like you said earlier, went back to 15 minutes mm. for the 2022 tournament. Both very special in their own right. But undeniably, for me, the greatest five-star Grand Prix run or tournament run I've ever witnessed is of Shuri in this tournament. This is the Shuri tournament. By 2021, by the end of this tournament, I think a lot of people walked away saying this is the new signature tournament of pro wrestling yeah it it really established what this tournament was capable of and look in hindsight the biggest debate is whether the time limit was too much and honestly yeah it probably was not every wrestler was able to utilize it but every shuri match definitely and when you're experimenting with more wrestlers and different time limits and stuff, not everything's going to click together at the first time. But when you see what Shuri is capable of doing in this tournament against a range of opponents, against a range of levels, um, you can really appreciate the value of a tournament in establishing someone like Shuri was already established at this point. Let's not kid ourselves. She's the SWA champion. She's been uber protected since she joined the company in 2020. So her doing well in this tournament wasn't a surprise. But I think people didn't appreciate just how good 
she really was until you saw what she was capable of pulling out night after night, whether it was at big venues or small little dingy 200, 300-seater venues. Like, Shuri was just on another level at this point, and yeah, it really opened people's eyes to what could happen. 2019, obviously, you know, was a tournament that started to show the potential. 2020 was hindered by circumstances. But now 2021 was really starting to spread its wings and showcase why people would get excited for the five-star Grand Prix. And, yeah, it also helps that maybe during this time the G1 was still struggling to find its feet in Japan, still struggling to find its feet during the pandemic. So when Stardom steps up and delivers a performance like this, you can't help but take notice. I misspoke. It wasn't 30 minutes. It was 20-minute time limits. I apologize. Uh, But you get the point. They were longer. Some Uh, of them felt like 30 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> there was a lot of time limit draws for a 20 minute time limit tournament. Yes. Let's just say that. Um, I do think there's a possibility, and I'm going to be eating crow probably by the time this episode has come out. But I do think a 20 minute time limit could return this year with them going back to 20. I don't know. I think, they, I think they have the feel that they'd be perfectly fine dealing with 20 if that were the case. That being said, let's talk about the field here in the 2021 tournament. As I was saying, with Shuri going on to win the tournament, um, what are you, between this one and 2022, mm-hmm. could you decide right now which one's your favorite? 2022 as a tournament in full, I think, is a little bit stronger. Um, but one of the benefits. seven matches to do that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're very even in a lot of ways i think 2021 obviously has a better single performance with uh shuri i think 2022 was stronger across the board um i feel like there was a few story arcs within that tournament which were better executed um as well which definitely helps and unfortunately look 2021 was hindered a little bit because one of its big names, Julia, did get injured halfway through, which affects the storytelling of the tournaments like Momo Watanabe on the final night getting a a free pass. Kind of works in a storytelling standpoint, but also you could tell that wasn't the intention that was meant to happen. So whereas 2022, I think, was able, even though there was injury concerns, um, and, you know, wrestlers sort of missing time and whatnot, they were able to make that tournament work across the board a little better. But if someone preferred 2021, I would get it. It's not a shocking call there. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. I'm with you. 2022 is the better one. That being said, can't really fight either one. They're both great. Uh, The the standings were as follows. On the Red Stars block, you had Momo Watanabe with 12 points, Maya Iutani with 11, Koguma with 11, Starlight Kid with 11, uh, Hameka with 10, Fukigen Death with 10, who replaced Natsuko Tora, worth noting. Mm. Um, you had Natsupoi with 9, Julia, who was injured in the tournament, with 6, Mina Shirakawa with 6, and Saki Kashima with 4. In the Blue Stars block, you had Shuri winning, of course, with 12, Sayakamitani with 11, Takumi Aroha with 11, Konami with 10, Utami Hayashida with 10, Tam Nakano with 10. Micah with nine, Unai Sayaka with nine, Azumi with eight, and Ruaka with zero. So she was just happy to be there. She sure was. She got disqualified at least five times. Um, so thinking back to this tournament, which we're going to go more in depth next episode, anyways. Mm. So I'm not going to um, say too too much, but I did miss that this tournament began on July 31st and ended on September 25th. Yes. So 
the tournament was expanded, obviously, with the amount of wrestlers involved, but it also expanded just in it was a very long tournament. Yeah. And this is maybe one of the complaints in in recent years is just the sheer length of these tournaments. And people should just stop complaining about everything. Have you ever thought about that? I, I do get it. Like a two month long tournament, like especially if you don't execute the, the mid tournament stories well, it does drag a little bit, especially when, say, in 2022, it was very obvious Julia was making the final. And it was obvious the story they were telling in that as well. Um, so I do understand some of the complaints, but. It is something to make note of. More people, longer matches, longer period that the tournament runs for. Shocker. Wrestling fans complain. Put it on, put it on a poster. Uh, let's kick it, though, to the 2022 tournament as we come here to wrap it up. The five-star Grand Prix in 2022 expanded to 26 competitors. The the biggest tournament in their history, but the beautiful touch was it still stayed at two blocks. Unlike New Japan in the G1 climax, uh, this tournament ranged from July 30th to October 1st, 2022. In 2023, it will be starting a whole week earlier, the earliest start point for the tournament thus far. Um the difference of this tournament were there were qualifiers for those final three spots that Ami Saray, Mai Sakurai, and Saya Ida were able to win in a mini five-star Grand Prix with the young competitors of the roster. Yes, the tournament to get into the tournament uh, does feel like it artificially lengthens the tournament process a bit. This is the year I wanted that to happen. Because they had so many people out, and they're just like, nah, rumble. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's fine. I didn't want to see tackle in a few meaningful matches. It's fine. Um, but this tournament, of course, would go on to be won by Julia, who asked all the right people. That was the right choice. Ask any of the wrong people. Don't listen to them. Uh, <laughs> Trent, see, I'm just here to pop Trent. You're not laughing into the microphone. No, I probably should be forcing an audible laugh there just to add to the impression, but I am laughing on the inside. Yeah. Um, Not lamowing, but... The Red Stars block was as followed. You have Tam Nakano with 16 points, Hameka with 15 points. I think a lot of people forget how many uh, points people have at the end of these more recent tournaments. Especially when, like, we've gone through this tournament, like, from 2012, where, like, the winner had seven points, and now that's, like, a bad score. Oh, it's a really bad score. Uh, <laughs> Micah had 15. Risa Sarah had 15. Azumi had 14. Utami Hashida had 14. Kogama with 14. Shuri with 14. Saki Kashima with 12. Saki with 10. Thank God she's not on the tournament this year. My Sakurai with 9. Momokogo with 4. And Unagi Sayaka with 4. Of course, that would mark the end of Unagi Sayaka's run in she's stardom. So she left the company. <laughs> yep, she was like, I gotta go refine myself and then after that she was gone ah, she had a few more matches but then she was gone mm. uh in the blue stars block it was julia with 16 points mirai with 15 points all right maybe she's a little pushed uh mayu yutami with 15 points suzu suzuki with 15 points hazuki with 14 sayakamatani with 14 starlight kid with 14 
Natsupoi with 12, Momo Watanabe with 12, Ami Sare with 11, Mina Shirakawa with 10, Saeeda with 4, and Hanan with 4. Whew. Can I just say, it's this this year in particular, this year being 2022, it's really impressive how, like, how the blocks are so condensed within like one or two points. Like when, when I was doing prep work for the 2023 five star Grand Prix previews and you're making notes of how many points did they score last year? And it's like 14, 14, 14, 15, 14, 15, 15, 16, 14. It's like, wow. Like I know like obviously a lot of work goes into making these tournaments work, especially when you're dealing with tiebreakers and who beat who so that they can dance. But like the mathematics to have such a equal board pretty much across the, there's only a couple of people who don't get into that one or two point range for each block. Wow. That's why in elementary school, they say that you're going to need math forever, folks. <laughs> That's what calculators are for, Mrs. Uh, Wilson. I don't even know if that, I don't even know if a calculator is going to help me with deciding block math. That's <laughs> pain, man. It's um, easy. Who's your favorite? They win all the matches. It is also worth noting I, that, to me and to yourself, I know this because we've reviewed both of them. The five star Grand Prix finals for the past two years have been, for my money, the shows of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think the 2022 final that night, with how many matches ended up being so meaningful, it's as good as a stardom show as you could put up. Um, yeah. so I'll say the same for 2021, obviously, with that. But we did miss out on Momo and Julia, so I do give the edge to the 2022 one. Um, but it it's an accomplishment by this roster with so many matches, with so much going on for such a long tournament to just have it was really just greatness till the very end. There was never mm-hmm. like a lull for me in terms of match quality, and they were always telling stories along the way. Right? Mm-hmm. Julia pretty much told a story in every freaking match she had. Uh, that Starlight Kid match is one that people will remember for a very long time, and I think that'll be more about Starlight Kid's story than Julia's necessarily. Mm. But it is the beauty of this tournament, and it's why it has become the tournament that I love so much. A lot of the time, I think I think this is the overall wrestling tournament problem that Stardom doesn't deal with too much anymore. 2021, they did it a little bit because I think they were trying to figure out how they were going to adjust the five-star Grand Prix, right? You had the briefcase after and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, which a lot of people didn't like. However, this tournament, I feel like they got everything right. They told stories along the way. Not every person that pinned a champion needed to get a title match. Like, they were able to work it correctly to make it all mesh together really well. Yeah, I think that's the, like, whether you like the length of the tournament overall or not, is I do think they did a good job of keeping things interesting just in the story department. Now, yes, Julia's path was incredibly obvious before the tournament began and when she dropped the first two matches. Like, you could have written that word for word almost. But within the matches themselves, she was telling different stories. She won every match with a different move, which I think does get forgotten quite a bit. You had Hazuki running out early. You had Suzu Suzuki, who came in with a lot of hype surrounding her for good reason, but didn't immediately set the world on fire and kind of had her own mini Julia run there at the end until the final night. 
Um, Maya Watani and Star Like Kid obviously had their story at the end. Like there's a lot of little stories that kind of were executed well. And that's like no matter how long your tournament is, but especially if it is a bigger one and a longer one, that's the key to keeping things interesting because people are fickle. They have short attention spans. And when you present them a two-month-long tournament, it can be difficult for people to lock in when so much is happening in the wrestling world. To give you an idea, there were four tournaments running in Japan during this five-star Grand Prix. At one stage, all four were running on the same weekend. It's a lot of wrestling to take in. So to keep people's attentions, to keep them enthused and focused, you have to be delivering A, on the quality of the matches and B, the quality of the story. I think they did a good job in 2022 and I'm excited with 2023 because I think with a more condensed roster, they will be able to nail things a little bit cleaner as well. Isn't that happening this year? Uh, with all the tournaments? Yeah. Yes, it is happening this year as well. It's it's going to be probably a, a problem moving forward because everyone's kind of condensed onto this same no, 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 you know, no. summer period. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. If you like wrestling, it's not a problem. If you're a complaining person that whines all the time, it's a problem. Well, I mean, I would prefer them not to all be running on the same weekend. Well, sure, but it's one weekend. What do you do? I get it. I get it because it would be nice if they if, if these companies came together. Hey, can you do your tournament here and we'll do yeah. ours here? But the G1's not moving. No. The Dream Grand Prix's not moving. These are the no. top two companies. It's up to the other two promotions if they really want to move them, which they're not going to clearly because yeah. they're summer events. That's and, that's, and look, that's part of the selling point is yeah. that they're summer events. Oh, come out see you. Some good, nice tournament matches, blah, 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 blah. I get it because mm. it would be nice to have. It's why I like, I like the All Japan Champion Carnival, for example, mm. being where it is. It's away yeah. from everything. And I think a company like a TJPW maybe would benefit from not having the Princess Cup at the same time. As a and look, that also benefits from being single elimination. So it does stand out a little bit in comparison, but it, it does face the issue of just being congested by so much wrestling. I think the top five companies, you can agree to disagree, but the top five companies in Japan will have tournaments running at the same time. Because Dragon Gate... Moved back the King of Gate tournament this year. And it's starting after their Kobe World event that uh, I believe is this upcoming weekend at when the show comes out. So there is a chance that they're all running at the same time. I don't know when it starts specifically, but I know it's like right after, which mm. is terrifying. And maybe <laughs> that might be overkill because they moved theirs back. Yeah. I guess the one benefit is, like, especially domestically, people tend to be single promotion fans, especially, like, when we're talking Dragon Gate. You don't have to worry about crossing over with other promotions because they have their own little world developed in terms of their fan base. Um, so I think it is probably more of a Western problem because we do tend to, I don't want to say over-consume, but, like, we tend to follow as many promotions as we can. Oh, New Japan's doing something. Oh, All Japan's doing something. Oh, Gleet's doing something. Like, we try and take in everything. Japan, a lot of Japanese fans do tend to be a little bit more focused in their fandom. Um, their wallets probably thank them for that. Um, so, yeah. What's the weekend that they all intertwine? 
It's I think it's like the weekend of August thirteenth from memory. August thirteenth? Yeah, I think so. Because August Without having it in front of me. August third is the King of Gate final. Okay, so they just avoid the the full on clash. They'll be clashing with New Japan and they'll be clashing with Stardom, but I think they avoid Noah and maybe TJPW. But you're both still running, they're just not that weekend. No, because the uh, N1 tournament starts on August 13th, oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Or they start August 6th and TJPW's August 13th start, but yeah. Well, thank it, you. It's a messy period. Um, yeah. If you're a wrestling fan, take your sick leave from work so you can watch it all. Or just be a psycho like me. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm smartly resting ahead of like i'm not watching like every little thing right now because you know the beast is coming uh yeah. and that is tournament Japanese season. summer uh it, it's 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 joshi summer as i like to remind people joshi summer with all the great joshi matches and tournaments that are coming up that being said we have come to the end here so i have a few questions but before that i will say that this year's five-star grand prix for the sake of Talking about this year's five-star Grand Prix, your participants are as follows. You have Mayu Yutani, Hazuki, Utami Hashida, Azumi, Sayakamitani, Natsuko Tora, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Julia, Micah, Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, Sayori Anu, Shuri, Mirai, Ami Sarei, Mina Shirakawa, Suzuki, Hanan, and Mariah May as your 20, your field of 20, returning to that field of 20. It is a who's who. Of not only the promotion, but really Joshi Wrestling, all in one tournament. There mm. are people that are out of the tournament that I know a lot of people are upset about. There's, but to me, it's better than expanding it so big that there's just people that don't belong either. Now, don't get me wrong. If they did 26, they could have easily filled it again this year, mm. had a great tournament all over again, because I do think there are six people on the roster that didn't make it that could easily fit in. But this is really it. This is the cream of the crop in a lot of ways. Oh, Stardom, you are getting important matches every single show. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I think that is the brilliance of this tournament over time. As we enter the, what is it, 11th year of this tournament? Hmm. We've re- they, To think of what we were talking about, and now we're, we're at a point in Stardom where they don't have enough room for some of the best competitors, I think that is really a sign of how much stardom has grown and how much the tournament has grown as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, are there wrestlers we'd like to see in the tournament? For sure. But I do like that it's it feel, makes it feel more coveted, that you've got people of serious value who are looking from the outside in for this tournament. And the, the other beautiful thing is there are still wrestlers in this tournament who can benefit from really surprising people with just how good they are because we've talked about this is a showcase tournament for a lot of people i think the best example in recent years is mina shirakawa really has proven herself as a wrestler through initially the five-star grand prix tournament and you kind of hope that there are wrestlers who can get the chance to do that it's not so top heavy that only established veterans are there there's still a few people on this roster who are in this tournament you look and go okay if you put on a good showing here you're going to stand out way beyond what we're expecting or used to. So that's the that's the one thing I would hope they don't lose in this yeah. kind of situation, but they do seem to be managing that well. They do, they do. So my question for you, because next week I think we'll kind of, we may accidentally answer it or not. 
I'm going to give you a two-parter. What, what is the best five-star Grand Prix match in your opinion? <laughs> Gee, okay, that's that's incredibly difficult because I can answer uh, it right now for my for my personal choice. Well, it, it probably leans to one or two. I do actually. My first thought is Shuri versus Momo Watanabe, the 2021 Grand Prix final. There are a couple of matches from 2022 that stand out that could challenge it, but in all honesty, I think when you value in the stakes, the moment the grandeur of being in a pay-per-view venue. And uh, I think that was at the Oda Ward as well. Um, to me, that is the tournament. That's the match that kind of, if I was to show people one five-star Grand Prix yeah. match, it's probably going to be that. Well, that's mine. And that ruined the second part, because just in case I was going to say, what's your favorite, what's the greatest final? But yeah, that know. does kind of ruin it, doesn't Two it? Two birds, one stone. I was, I was hoping you were in agreement with me, but you know, you never know because I think mm. there's been so many matches over the past two years, especially that you could pick a handful. Like yeah. if you told me, if you sat here and said Shuri and Takumi Aroha, for example, the 20 minute time limit draw, I wouldn't question you. Mm. If you said Shuri and Suzuki, I wouldn't question you. If you mm. said Julia and Tam Nakano, the final, again. I wouldn't question you. I think that's the beauty of what this tournament has become in a lot of ways. Uh, but we're both in agreement. Shuri versus Momo Watanabe, which we get to talk about next week on this show. <laughs> next four, which is very exciting. So let's wrap it up here. And yep. we, 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 this episode went a lot longer than I expected it to, but I should have expected one thing or another. We could talk for a little bit. Uh, Trent, hit him with the plugs. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at OneUpCulture. Um, when this comes out, the latest edition of the Ocean Cycling Show will be close to coming out. It will come out that weekend um, where we're doing a mid-season report on a bunch of different promotions and champions. Uh, I also have ChocoCast, which has recently released its second episode with Window Jeff, the new permanent member, joining us. I've got some articles that have come out, one on Saki Kashima, one on... Uh, more things to do in Tokyo when it comes to wrestling events. I'm actually being productive for once, which is kind of scary. That productivity is set to continue coming into five-star season, um, you know, doing previews and all of that. So, yeah, I guess if you're going to follow me, now's a good time to do so because there's actually stuff to see at 1UP Culture again. This is the most I'm ever going to plug my own stuff. So sit tight. Let's get ready. At Scotty Wrestling on Twitter, if you don't follow me already, I don't know how you found the show, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, please follow me if you want to hear my daily thoughts on who knows what, usually stardom, but I expand beyond stardom. Uh, plenty, I watch pretty much everything. If you want to check out some of my content that's coming out, uh, as of the day that this podcast came out, I'll have an interview with Dragon Gate's Shun Skywalker, having released on Fightful.com. You can go check that out. I had an interview with Mio Momono that recently came out. Working on some other interviews that I don't have the answers to yet, but Shun Skywalker one's pretty cool ahead of their big Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival show the upcoming Sunday. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. Uh, in terms of other content, I've probably reviewed the... <laughs> I've probably reviewed... Um, Stardom Sunshine 2023 in some form, whether that be a live review on the Fight Game Media uh, YouTube channel, 
or on the Patreon, but that'll also go on the Fight Game Media channel. So if you want to hear my thoughts about that, all the cage match stuff, go check that out. I will also be potentially reviewing Midsummer Champions on the YouTube channel as well. So go check that out. My annual five-star Grand Prix. <sighs> One second. Sorry. I'm right. I, I got to remember everything. My <laughs> annual five-star Grand Prix previews for both Voices of the Wrestling and on the YouTube channel for Fight Game Media will both be out eventually. I don't know when. Got to work on them. Waiting for the blocks. Uh, <laughs> but those will be out. I will preview those in depth. Probably That's when guessed. Scott and I go head-to-head in competition yes, with competing yes. five-star Grand Prix previews. Probably. Well, we do them differently, so it's okay. True. We'll have, well, I'll probably have guests on for that five-star Grand Prix preview if you want to hear multiple people's thoughts on the tournament. Me and Trent and Ryan will be doing an Ocean Cyclone five-star preview, which will be yep. a lot of fun. That'll be a first-time ever Thing, so i'm looking forward to that there'll be our first ever live show i don't know when that's happening but that is happening yeah so we need to negotiate with ourselves on that one and yeah we'll, yeah, find, we a, we'll find a time we do um i'm also planning to potentially do a review for summer sun princess live that would be a first ever tjpw live review but i'm trying to do all these things now that i have like a work life and i can work around these things and actually be a real person it's a lot easier it's a wonderful thing um otherwise oh i hope that's it <laughs> I hope and that's be sure it. of course to follow the uh can out podcast network as well which is where you're hearing this now yes of course and i guess the last thing that just popped into my head I probably had a shit ton of forbidden door content so if you're still feeling that you can go check that out as well but that's it. I'm done. Trent's done. We're done. I gotta work. I gotta work in eh, eight hours. So so long. Farewell. This will be Starter Road Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. We'll see you next time to talk Shuri's five star Grand Prix run in 2021. So until then, see ya. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan Knightsey and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network.